Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. Happiness. If you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be, like I said, in the book of Philippians. Uh, and we're going to spend a few weeks on this book And I want to begin by reading you this prayer in the first chapter of Philippians, a prayer by the man who wrote the book called the Apostle Paul. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second, but let's begin with our Bible reading in Philippians 1, beginning with verse 9. Here's Paul's prayer to this church and to us. He said, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. Can you highlight that? What really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Can you say Amen. Amen. Is there anything more elusive than happiness? It's what we strive for, right? It's what we want. It's a universal longing. This is not a religious longing. This is not an American longing. This is not a Verdean thing. This is a, a human thing. We want to be happy, and all of us are doing something to strive for the happiness that we all believe in. You know, I did a Google search this week just to kind of get an idea of what people are, are looking for. I just searched how to be happy, and, and, and here's the top thing, thing, things that came up when I did this research, I mean this search. Uh, first thing that came up was methods for living happy. The second thing was three ways to be happy, and then you just got more and more. The next one was 23 ways to be happier. The one after that was 10 scientifically proven ways to be incredibly happy. And this next one really took the cake. 45 ways to be happier. And I love this one. How to be happy in today's crazy world. Right? This is, this is the Google search for how to be happy. So many ways to go about it. Right? And, and, and so we've got to ask the question, what about for the believer? What does scriptures have to say about being happy? Because if God created us, then he has something to say about being happy. You know, as you guys know, um, my Golden State Warriors just won (laughs) another championship. That makes three in four years. Not that we're counting. Um, But but, uh, look, someone's got the Warriors jersey over here. You're a good man. I love you, man. You are awesome. We're going to be friends forever. It's only me and you, I think. In this whole church. So a <laughs> couple of more in the back. All right, great. We're making a, we're, listen, we're creating a fanhood here uh, of, of Warriors fan. But I saw an interesting interview with Kevin Durant, which is, you know, probably the best player on the team. Interesting interview that he just had right before they won this, this last one. Um, but he said two years ago when they won the first championship, very interesting. He said, I thought by winning this championship, a lot of things would just automatically go away. 
he thought, I thought some of my problems would just disappear. And some of the issues that I had in my life would just vanish. Because a lot of times we equate happiness with accomplish, accomplishing something. Right? To him was, you know, if you're a basketball player, the pinnacle of your accomplishment is a championship. He wins this championship and he's like, oh man, my, some of my insecurities are going to... It was a very revealing interview. Because he said, I thought some insecurities would just go away. I thought some of my family problems would go away. I thought some of the things would just kind of like fall into place because we just won a championship. Right? And, and sometimes that's how people approach happiness. It's like, this is the thing I'm looking for. When I get it, I'm going to be completely happy. And then we get it and we're like, whoa, nothing changed. Right? Another, another uh, football player... Deion Sanders, who played for the Dallas Cowboys in, in San Francisco. Um, uh-oh. Cowboys, Cowboys fans need a lot of prayer. Um, it's tough. I'm sorry. Uh, but he's, Deion Sanders, when they won the pinnacle of football, which is Super Bowl, right? When they won it with the Cowboys, he said, we won this thing. It's what we were striving for, believing for. But he said the next day, literally the next day, I tried to commit suicide. Because we, we, we put all our eggs in the basket of if I get this thing, then everything is going to fall into place. Right? And so, interesting enough, the way that, that this, this Google search showed me is that we think it's about getting something. That we're going to be happy. And the more we're doing that, the more this thing is becoming fleeting. But I, but I have good news. The Bible has a lot to say about happiness. And, uh, and I believe the next few weeks could be very helpful for us. See, the word happiness, if you're taking notes, the word happiness and joy in the Bible are used simultaneously to mean the same thing. Right? And, 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 and depending on the, the translation that you're looking at, uh, the word happiness means state of well-being. Or a pleasurable, a satisfying experience. And, and you see that over 30 times in scriptures being used. But then when you look at the word rejoice or the word joy, which means to feel great delight or to be glad, you see that word used over 300 times in scriptures. So God has a lot to say about us being happy. It's just that it's not necessarily a pinnacle of an achievement. No, achievements are part of happiness, but they're not happiness in itself. Can you say amen? But I wanted to narrow it down to this book, Philippians. And the reason why I want to narrow it down to one book is to give us a focus. Because in this particular book, the word rejoice and joy is used 16 times in just four chapters. It's a very short book, but it's loaded with the perspective of happiness. And the man who wrote this book by the name of Paul, wrote 14 of the 27 books that you have in the New Testament, right? Paul's experience is very unique and powerful because Paul didn't like Christianity. Paul actually believed that Christianity was something that we need to get rid of. He put Christianity in the category of a cult. And it wasn't until he met Jesus face to face that this changes perspective. And Paul becomes the greatest missionary that ever lived at the time. Paul took the message of Jesus so personal and serious and the calling that Jesus put on his life that Paul began to travel to spread the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And so Paul would go from, from city to city, which is 
you know, where Europe is. Basically, that's what Paul did, majority of his ministry. And so when you read Philippians, you're reading a book about a city in Philippi, which is modern-day Greece. Okay? It's a city, modern-day Greece, that Paul travels to, preaches the gospel there. And what he used to do is his method was, I would preach, he would build up some leaders, they'll start a church, and then he would move on to the next city to, to, to do the same thing, to preach the good news, find some people who are interested, and he would plant the church there, he would leave. And then the letters is a follow-up. Because that's the media of the day. If Paul had Facebook, he would have been, you know, talking to the Philippians in, 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 on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or InstaFace if you're Coach Belichick. Um, so the media of the day was letters. So he would write letters to, to encourage their faith, but also to help them wrestle with some of the issues. Because think about it. Christianity was brand new to these people. They had no idea what it meant to live for Jesus. So these letters were basically manuals to say, hey, now that you accepted Christ, here's how you go about it. Now, each letter is unique because each city had unique challenges and they were going through unique things. Just like each local church has unique challenges and has unique perspective. Are you tracking with me so far? I feel like I need to do some, some historical background before we really get into this. Uh, so bear with me. This can be one of those crockpot messages. So we just got to let it steer for a little bit. Before we get to the point. Are we good so far? So he planted his churches. But the way that this church started was very interesting. There's a book called the book of Acts. Which tells you how the church took off from when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And it tells you how this particular church in the city started. Didn't start very well. Paul was preaching in the city when some zealot Jewish people who believe that Christianity was a cult decided to arrest Paul. And they arrested him simply for preaching the gospel. I don't know if you know this, but you live in a country that gives you a lot of freedom. There are countries here in this world, in 21st century, where you're not allowed to preach the gospel. Russia just banned evangelism. You can't evangelize on the streets in Russia because it's against the law to preach the gospel. In China, you have to go to the churches that the government says you can go to. That's why majority of, the, of churches in China meet underground because they want to be free to be who God has called them to be. I just want to give you some perspective that this stuff still goes on. In Iran, for example, that's also illegal, but the church in Iran is thriving underground. Why? Because you can't stop the good news of Jesus Christ. Wherever God is, he will continue to work. So I say that just to give you some perspective because a lot of times happiness is, is, is us embracing the reality that we're blessed. Right. Right? We live in a country that, man, you may not agree with all the politicians and all the stuff, but, man, we're blessed right. to be in a country that allows you to express yourself freely. Right. Even if you don't like the president, you can, you know, say whatever you want to say. Or if you like the president, or the president himself can say it for you on his Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> He'll let you know. You know, you are very blessed. That's my Trump. That's really bad. You are extremely blessed. Um, okay, I got to stop. I can feel the hate coming. Y'all are tight on Trump. But he gets arrested. And, 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 and Paul gets arrested with his friend Silas because he used to have a team. They used to go and preach. And he gets arrested. And what's amazing about Paul is, what's just fascinating about Paul that just blows my mind about Paul is, Paul is never confined to his circumstances. Paul has a different perspective. So what do they do in jail? They worship. They praise themselves in jail. 
Like you, it's amazing to me. They get arrested. They don't go, oh, it was us. We were just doing the right thing. You know what they do immediately? They begin to worship God. They begin to praise God. They begin to lift up God because you can arrest someone, but you can't arrest their mind. You can't arrest their faith. You can't arrest their hearts. You can't arrest their passion. Right? You can be physically arrested, but not emotionally arrested. Or you can be physically free, emotionally arrested. Paul worships his way, and, and the Bible says at midnight there was a massive earthquake that broke open these jail cells, and they could have gone free. And in that, in that time period, if you are on duty and, 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 and these prisoners get set free, that's your life. The reason why Paul didn't leave is like, no, if I leave, these jailers will be killed. That's amazing to me that happiness is not just about what I think is best for me. But I have other people's interested in mind as well. Most people are not happy because all they think about is me, myself, and I. Paul knows that if I put other people in front of me, then I will always be happy because happy is reciprocated. When you bless someone, it comes back to you. So he says, we're not leaving. He says, we're not leaving. He told the guys, don't worry, we're here. And you know what happens when you bless people? who are in situations where they're supposed to oppress you, then their hearts begin to open. The guy says, wait a minute, you guys are not leaving. What makes you not leave? What do I have to do to have this God that you have? And the Bible says in that moment, Paul says, if you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your whole household will be saved. And that was the birth of this church. This man and his family became one of the main church families who started this church in Philippi. Based on a circumstance that was not the best. See, God does not wait for circumstances to be the best to align his will for your life. You just have to see God in every circumstance that you find yourself in. So Paul takes his family and along with other women who were interested and they begin, because back in those days they would begin churches and homes. This is what I'm telling you. We don't have to have official crews. Open your home. And tell people, let's, let's seek Jesus together. Let's worship Jesus together. Because the Bible says when two or three are gathered, Jesus is right there in the middle of that. Listen, the house you prayed for is not just for you. It's for you to open it up for people to be able to come and be blessed. So they start this church. And, and what's fascinating to me, Paul leaves because he has the next city to go to. So the book that you're reading here was, was actually written about two years after the church was birthed through this crazy experience that they had in jail. And so Paul now, get this, two years later, guess where Paul is? Paul is not in the Bahamas. Speaking about joy. Paul is not a Starbucks being enlightened. You know, sipping on a nice, you know, whatever weird thing you sip on at Starbucks, because I go to Starbucks, I get nervous. I don't know how to order. You know, a tall is, wait, tall to me is, is tall. You know what I'm saying? And I always get nervous. I don't speak Starbucks. So when my wife sends me, I write it down. You know, I, and I tell my, this is what I'm looking for. And they always look at you weird because you don't speak the language. This is why we, we do our best to not speak church language because we want everybody to understand what's going on. The gospel according to Starbucks, that was just for free. 
But Paul is not a Starbucks. Paul is not on vacation, church. Paul, two years later, Paul is in jail again. This time in Rome for preaching the gospel again. Like how many times does it take until you say, I give up? What's fascinating to me is for Paul, the more they try to bring him down, the more passionate he became about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you understand. This is how God speaks to us, church. It's not when things are all lined up and well. It's in the middle of hell that God's like, I am your God. Your God. It's one thing to go to jail because you did something crazy. It's another thing to go to jail when you're wrongly accused. It's easy to become a victim at that point. But, but Paul refused to be a victim. Paul was a victor. Can you say amen? And, and he's in jail. He's on house arrest, waiting trial because Paul was a Roman citizen. So he, is, he can have a trial like a Roman citizen. But, but he is in house arrest. And if, when you begin to read this book, it's fascinating because Paul says, man, look what God is doing, guys. I'm arrested, but the, all those people around me are getting saved. Did you catch that revelation? God will arrest you in a circumstance, but that circumstance is to bring a greater good. God will, will try to expand his family through you if you allow him to be in your circumstance. So your circumstance doesn't define you, but you're defining things around you through the circumstance that God's put in you. Most people are not happy because they let circumstances determine their happiness. Paul says, no, my circumstance is actually an opportunity. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he writes this, this letter and 16 times he's talking about joy. It's like joy shouldn't even be on your vocabulary when you're in jail. We're about to start a prison ministry. Please pray that the gospel will go through this prison ministry. That we can be able to bless people in jail to say God's not done with you yet. So he's in jail. His future is uncertain. He's awaiting trial. And he writes this letter to say, rejoice. Always, I say, rejoice. It's amazing to me, his perspective. See, I wanted to use Paul because if I say Jesus, we would say, oh, that's Jesus. Well, let's use Paul, a man like you and I, who has gone through some stuff. You know, if you read Paul's resume, it's pretty crazy what this man went through. But here in this in this prayer, I, I, I pray you catch this. The reason why I want to start with the prayer is to show you his heart. It's to show you how Paul thinks and how Paul wrestled with stuff. Right? If you look at this prayer, if you break down this prayer, what's the first thing that Paul does? Paul says, my prayer for you is that you would grow in love and knowledge of Jesus. That's the first thing he's focusing on. He says, grow in love and knowledge of Jesus. Why? Because Paul understands that for him and for the believer, the more you grow in knowledge of Jesus, the happier you are. You see, I hope you catch this. This is going to be a tough one because we live in America. Jesus is not the means to an end. Jesus is the end. I don't know if you caught that. He's not the means to an end. He is the end. So if Jesus is the focus, then happiness will come to pass in your life because you're not doing things to get happy. You're getting to a person who is the definition of happiness. Because a lot of times I'm seeing people thinking like, oh, I'm praying for these things to happen. If those things don't happen, is Jesus the end of happiness. This is, you know, Matt said something really interesting. He said, you could be a Christian and be grumpy. You ever meet people 
who are Christians, but it's like, where's the joy? You've been eating lemonade every day. <laughs> but you ain't making, you know, I'm sorry, you're eating lemons, but you ain't making no lemonade. Like, what is the deal? And then we give the, the amazing Christian excuse when we all get to heaven. It's like, why, why wait till heaven? <laughs> like, why? He was in jail. Talking about, guys, be happy. God is for you. He says, if you grow in knowledge of Jesus, in other words, if you understand who Jesus is, you understand what happiness is. Right? If you understand who this man, who is more than a man, who is a God in the flesh, who has come to defeat all your enemies, sin, death, hell cannot stop him. If you can know Jesus, you'll know happiness. But my struggle with church is most people know a building, they don't know Jesus. Personal Jesus. Who really gets to the core of you. That come hell or high water, it doesn't define you because you're defined by Jesus. We must grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. That's what sustains Paul. And and, and let me give you a little bit more context. The jail in those times is not the jail in America. We're talking underground jails where the sewer will run under your feet kind of jail. So you understand the context here. He is in this Hell. But he said, this hell doesn't define me. Because he's not waiting to get out. He's like, I may not even get out. But my mind is not trapped to this place. My heart is not trapped to this place. Sometimes I think about this stuff. Like, man, this is the stuff that we, we're supposed to roll with. Here's the guy and the guys we're supposed to roll with. Like, when I hear myself complaining, I think about Paul, and I go, oh, my bad. When I think about all the benefits of living in this place, and I find myself whining, I hear Paul going, hey, man, you good? Come on, church, talk to me. Right? These are the people that went before us. When I hear people leave the church because they were offended, I think... What would Paul think? Here's a guy who paid with his life for us to have church. And we're talking about, like, are we ever going to have the depth of knowledge of Jesus that no one can talk us out of his will, out of his purpose, and out of his house? See, the thing is, if we don't have the understanding of Jesus, then, then we're, we're paper thin when it comes to experiences. Right. Anything will knock us off. The Bible says you can be easily tossed back and forth by any happenings. That's what the word happening is, right? Happy happiness. Any happening can, can tilt the boat either way. Right? That's why Paul is like, grow in your knowledge of Jesus because Jesus is not a thing. He is the anchor of your soul. He anchors you down. So storms are going to come, but you ain't going nowhere because you're anchored in Jesus. Jesus, please write this down. Jesus is the aim of happiness, not the means to an end. Jesus is the end. 
Because when you understand that, then you understand why he says, go on and read it when you go home. He says, I learned to be content when I have a lot, when I don't have nothing. Because I'm anchored in Jesus. I'm not anchored in circumstances. Because circumstances are fleeting. People are fleeting. People are fickle. I've been in this thing long enough, brother. I've heard people say, praise the Lord, pastor. You're amazing. Glory to God. And the next day go, that pastor. You know that pastor. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. That's why I'm like, yo, y'all, y'all keep your praise. <laughs> I'll keep my Jesus. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? People are crazy. You know, you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt. You know, because, man, people are weird. I'm weird. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like me. Hello, somebody. Sometimes I'm like, you're the pastor? <laughs> There's freedom, people. Don't you have to pretend when you know Jesus? Because you can't lie to Jesus. You know, Jesus is like, man, come on, man. Come on. You know, Jesus only called me as Pastor Mark when he's mocking. Come on, Pastor Mark. Knucklehead. That's what my family do to me. They only call me pastor when they mock at me. Oh, Pastor Marco. I'm not kidding. I text my family this week. I was like, we should have lunch at my house for Father's Day. What do I get back? Okay, Pastor Marco. It's like, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> he goes on to say, you must grow in understanding, church. He said, grow in understanding, which uh, the word understanding there is moral discernment. This is why he says, hey, I pray you grow in what really matters. What robbers of our happiness don't matter. Isn't it amazing? The stuff that we get hung up on don't matter. Think about it this week. When you look back at the stuff that messed you up, you think about it in terms of eternity, it don't matter. It don't matter. He says, listen, what really matters is what will lead you to happiness. So the word here is discern. Write this down. Discern, he's saying, between right and wrong. Discern between good and bad. Discern, here's most important, discern between what's vital and what's trivial. What's vital and what's trivial? The stuff that we get hung up on is just trivial stuff. I've been in church long enough. People get caught up on trivial theologies, not the vital ones. I'm amazed at the stuff that people get hung up on because we take our aim off of Jesus. When you take your aim off of Jesus, everything is trivial. It's just growing understanding. Sometimes I have to stop and say, church, I don't know if you understand this, but we're in the middle of a miracle. When you grasp that, there's nothing that's going to keep you away from God's will. Because the stuff that the enemy is going to try to come and bring to you into this church is trivial. We're supposed to stiff arm that stuff and say, I'm running for Jesus. I can't focus on that. Learn to be a good running back. He said, run the race. Because the stuff I hear is trivial compared to knowing this. And then he says this, be filled. 
with the fruit of your salvation. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit last week. It says, be filled with that stuff that only the Holy Spirit can produce joy in you. He said, I am the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and to wrap it up, self-control. He says, be filled with that. The righteous character produced by Jesus brings happiness. That's why he can sit in jail and write this letter down. Because he's like, man, my mind is made up. It's Jesus. Amazing to me. I mean, Paul, to me, is fact, I can't wait to get to heaven and nice. sit down with this man. Nice. He said, to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Eternal perspective. That's incredible to me. Because we have flipped this thing. We've made it to live here is the point. No wonder we're unhappy. Because we have settled for temporary as opposed to the eternal. He says, you live this way, you will bring much glory to God. Because the glory of God is man fully alive. God is happy when you're happy. God loves you when you're happy. Eric Little, the marathon runner, remember the guy who, wrote, who, who, who was a great Olympian? He said, when I run, I feel his pleasure. He says, the things you love to do brings joy to you. God is, is joyful right. with you. Right. Right. And when he had to run on Sunday, he didn't want to run on Sunday. Why? Because he's like, a medal's not going to define me. I'm defined by God. <laughs> There's no promotion that's going to define you. There's no better job that's going to find you. No, go for those things. You should strive for those things. But trust me, it's never going to lead to the happiness that you think is going to lead. You can win two Nash, two basketball championships and still not feel safe. Come on. It's deeper than that, church. That's good. Happiness is a state of being, according to Paul. And, I, and I'll end with this. As you see Paul here, look, Paul is trying to give us an understanding of happiness. And, and this is what... You see this theme throughout his book, four chapters, but this is what he's trying to get to, and we'll unpack this the next few weeks. But Paul says, happiness is deeper than circumstances. Happiness is having an eternal perspective on things. Because he's like, I may be, I may be jail here for two years, but I'm going to live for millions of years. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't let that define him. No, don't get me wrong. Paul was a human being. Read his books. He had heartbreaks. Those moments that he's like, man, everybody left me. I'm all alone. There's nothing sadder than to try to preach the gospel and people leave you. Paul's like, man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been backstabbed by people who are supposed to support me. And yet Paul's gone through stuff, but he has a deeper perspective. To Paul, knowing and loving Jesus, that's the, that's the end, not the means. That's, so good. that's the point. Living for Jesus is the point. Paul did not believe in a Sunday Christianity. Paul believed in a lifestyle of living for Jesus. Paul didn't separate. There was no compartments. There was no church life, family life, club life, shady life. No, to him, to live is Christ. Every area of his life, Jesus permeates every area of his life. People, Paul wanted to lead his life to lead people to Jesus. He says, when you live like that, you bring much glory to God. 
When you're pointing people to Jesus, that's happiness. For you guys that's led people to Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. There's no greater joy than to know someone, like he said, I'll do anything to see my children be saved. That's a great goal. Can't save them, but I'll do anything. And that's, I pray that's our prayer. We'll do anything short of sin to lead someone to Jesus. Because people are eternal. Things will stay, but people remain forever. This is the aim of happiness when it comes to the believer. This is it. You can study the scriptures. This is it. This is it. It's having a heart to say, Jesus, you're the, you're the end. You're not the means. I may never get the house, but you're the end. I may never get that promotion, but you're still the end. I may never overcome this disease on this side of earth, but you're still the end. Like, I'm going to praise you no matter what. That's the goal. That's the goal of happiness for the believer. There's many ways to go about it. We can Google it. We can go to seminars. But when it comes to the believer, Jesus is the point. He is the point. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. How do you have life away from life? I love our sister Sharon, man. She brings life. Listen, you want to be happy? Go outside today and just look at our car. That, just that will bring you happiness. And then you get, and then you hang out with the person who owns the car. Oh, my God. She comes to the office and we're automatically like giggling. We can't help it. I pray. Now, we don't have to have that personality, but we can still have the joy that radiates within us. All of us. And I pray God keeps bringing her to our office because we need it. Because ministry will get to you sometimes. And God says, send Sharon. You think angels don't come disguised? You know, they come in to say, hey. Come on, would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.